Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Travel writer, photographer, and author Kathleen Walls is joining us on Big Blend Radio today to talk about her recent experience where she explored historic Columbus, Georgia. Kathleen is the publisher of American Roads and Global Highways. You can go to AmericanRoads.net for that. And she's also a member of the International Food, Wine, and Travel Writers Association. Uh, she's joining us through them. We always do this monthly segment and takes us all around the country and around the world. We love it. And uh, if you're a travel writer or in the tourism industry, Definitely check out ifwtwa.org. Welcome to Big Blend Radio, Kathleen. How are you? Great, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Hey, you know, very excited to be talking about historic Columbus, Georgia. I think a lot of us, you think about Columbus, we automatically think Ohio. But reading your article, which will be featured in the summer issue of Spirit of America magazine and also uh, will be up in a couple days here on nationalparktraveling.com, I want to go because it seems like it's almost like the crossroads of American history. It's, it's like all right there in this one place. There is. There is so much. The history from the Civil War, the Civil War Naval Museum, the only one in the world. And they've got some artifacts that you just wouldn't believe. And going to the National Infantry Museum, which is modern day from all the way from the American Revolution on to our present wars that's going on in honoring the infantry. And then if you get into music, there's Mulraney's home and the Liberty Theater, which she performed at many times, and for other performances, there was a Springer Opera House, which is has been there for quite mm. a long time. And Columbus Museum, of course, kind of gives you the history of the area. So it's interesting that you talk about having a naval museum there because you'd think you'd have to be on the beach, and and this is pretty much like a it's I would say west central Georgia when right. you talk about Columbus? It is. It's on the, the river, the Chattahoochee River. Okay. And because of the location on the river, they were into building, boat building and shipbuilding there before the Civil mm-hmm. War. And then during the Civil War, of course, for the South, they uh, were a very busy area. There were many ships that they built. Now, the Civil War Naval Museum focuses on both sides in the Civil War, both Confederate and Union. There's a display of the uh, CSS Chattahoochee, and this is really interesting because it was scuttled by the Confederacy themselves to keep it from going into Union hands, and she is the only twin-screw steam-powered Confederate gunboat in existence today because she was sitting at the bottom of the Chattahoochee River for all those years. Wow. Now, if if she's sitting down at the bottom of the Chattahoochee River, do you think, you know, do you think things, because I'm just, I know that you've written stories on ghosts and, and books on this, you know, I know that you're into that. Do you think 
that oh, she was yes. haunted. The Civil War Naval <laughs> Museum has quite a lot of ghost stories. Uh, I was there for the opening, and uh, it was very interesting. Of course, it was a new building, so there were no ghost stories. Several years later, things began to happen, which, of course, had to relate to the artifacts that they have in there. Another one is the Jackson, which they have recreated. It's a replica. It's not a replica. It's a recovered iron cleared that was, again, burned and sunk, and then they're brought back, and they've kind of done a ghost frame, which has nothing to do with ghosts. But the ghost story, uh, the mm-hmm. bookstore, the little gift shop in the front, the director was in there at night sometimes, and books will fly off the shelves. And there are some interesting things that happen which have to relate to these sunken ships. Wow. You know, because I always think that that's one of those – you know, we think about old buildings having spirits in there, but, you know, and I, I imagine, you know, imagine diving under the water and, and seeing a ghost underwater. That would kind of freak me out. <laughs> it would. It. it definitely would. Well, it's a great place to see exactly how people lived and what they did there. The docent who led us was very, very good. He brought us out. He showed us uh, the weapons that were used on the ship, and because of the space, they couldn't use the huge weapons. They did have cannons, of course, but a lot of the things that are used were not what would have been used on land. So also the one thing I noticed in your article, you talked about, you know, because definitely the Civil War, is, you know, it's a huge part of this, of the country, too. Um, but there was a temporary exhibit there, Victory from Within, the American Prisoner of War Experience. Right. And that was from the Andersonville National Historic Site. This is something, you know, that I, I've always wanted to go there. It, it's it's not necessarily history you want to see, you know, but it's it's real history and we need to see it and um, uh, just really honor it, you know, and um, understand. The the And they don't know how long it's going to stay. Our docent said that hopefully it will be there indefinitely. Uh, and I had been to Andersonville, and what I really like so much about oh, that wow. is that Andersonville, I mean, it was such a terrible, terrible place of devastation and death. And yet the museum has changed and, and turned that to the Prisoner of War Museum, which, of course, is celebrating some horrible events, but it's putting this out for history for people and making a good use of a place that once was a place of death. Mm-hmm. And the the exhibit there gives you a small taste of that. You definitely need to go I'm, to Andersonville, too. Yeah, we're on a quest to visit all 417 national park units in the country, and that's part of our Spirit of America magazine. And I was looking at that because we're going to be doing a massive road trip this year and going up through Kentucky, and, you know, I'm going, okay. I was looking at, at Columbus going, okay, wait, we could veer off there. You know, <laughs> there's a lot well, of veering you will, off in the way we travel. plan on spending several days in Columbus. You will really enjoy it. There is so much there. You know, before we keep talking about the history of it, you know, which I know is a big deal there, I know that our listeners, and and I know for me, I want to know, what's the food like? The food is great. We ate at several different restaurants there. Uh, The downtown area has just blossomed because the college is there. You know, in college towns, how vibrant Mm. the the community is, uh, the food scene has really gotten very, very big in Columbus. The um, And, and it's, it ranges from the elegant upscale to uh, mm-hmm. places 
one of the places that we visit was Minnie's Uptown Restaurant, which is like soul food. Their specialty is the oh. fried chicken and they'll be, and vegetables. You actually have veggies there, home cooked kind of veggies, <laughs> greens and things that you don't usually oh, see in a lot of restaurants. Uh, but then we also went to more upscale, the loft, which is very out. The loft is really neat because the, the restaurant is downstairs. Then upstairs mm-hmm. at night, there's live music, uh, comedy shows, uh, all sorts of entertainment going on. So depending on whatever you're interested in, you can go sit at the bar and have a few drinks. You can dine mm-hmm. very, very nicely. Um, they're, nice. they're crab cakes. I would recommend their cakes. They were really, really great. And their shrimp also was really good. But they do steak, chicken, everything. And it's served yeah. beautifully. And then you can go upstairs and have the live music or depending on, they'll have different acts, different times. It may be comedy night. It may be uh, jazz band, blues band, just really, really upscale and very, very vibrant downtown all over. And that's just a small example. Hmm. That's the thing I think it's so exciting is when you see these downtowns, they're like the heartbeat of America. And I love to see when, when downtowns have that nice blend of, you know, good food, entertainment, history. They keep that historic sense of place. Um, right. So it's really good to hear about that for Columbus, you know. And the, the one thing, too, you were talking about Columbus Museum, you know, so this would pretty much be your initial place. So you can kind of have an overview of where you are. It is very much, and talk about overview, I mean, it brings you back to the woodland and the Mississippian periods of prehistory. Mm. There's a mastodon tusk and pottery, arrowheads, and then they move you on through the western, because at one time, think about it, Georgia was the western end. This was the western end of the United States. So there's that, we don't think of it as the west, but there was the Indian uh, and they have nice exhibits for that. And then they move on in, like the modern day to the Olympics. And there were the kids, school kids. Today we'd be in there. There was a class sitting there. Oh, and they good. were just wrapped listening to what the docent was telling them. You know, that's. I think this is great when you can go way back. And it's true. You know, here we are sitting in Tucson. You know, we're like in the southwest. And we think we mm-hmm. are the west, you know. And, uh, you know, when we go back to that, that you know, old old history of our country, it, it's true. When you like Georgia was that line, you know. And right. Then, when you started when you start getting, 13 colonies. Yeah. There. I mean, it's it's interesting. And uh, so I, I want to go out here because it's just got a whole different feel of history from where we are right now in the Southwest. And it connects, it all ties up. It all connects to the, you know, the forming of America. Um, you know, the one place, you know, you were talking about music, because now I want to go to the loft and have a few cocktails and listen to the music and the food. I mean, you know, Southern cooking, you can't beat that. Um, but one of the things that I got excited about was uh, the 1871 Springer Opera House, but then you have that as well as oh, yeah. also the Liberty Theater. So were they connected to these buildings or were they separated, these two? No, they have no connection. The Opera House was where the well-to-do upscale uh, white people went, uh, of course, back in the day. The black people had to go sit way up in the top, and which is really funny. The docent took us up there to this top area, and she pointed out that the sound effects are better up there than downstairs. <laughs> but wow. it was the point that they had to sit up there. Uh, and it has a ghost story also. Um, one of the ghosts that is supposedly there is um, 
Edwin Booth, who was John Wilkes Booth's brother, and he performed there, and uh, he supposedly is seen wow. there very often. I mean, they've had Ethel Barrymore and Buffalo Bill and Lily Langtree, and cool. recently Hal Halbrook did his Mark Twain there. But one of the really neat ghost stories about the Springer is there about their dressing room area that's so huge, and one of the people taking care of the costumes for the performers would go back to look for something. She'd walk back there, and she would say what I'm looking for. And this has become a routine. I'm looking for a costume for 18th century woman. And walk away, come back, and that costume would be right out front. And that's <gasps> oh, a very repetitive story. And, of course, the Liberty was founded. It was a very upscale, nice African-American theater because this was their theater. And it has recently just, you know, been reopened again. And it has had some very, very famous entertainers performing there. In fact, when you walk in, there's a painting called Liberty Legends. Mm. And it depicts some of the people. Louis Armstrong, Marion Anderson, Nat King Cole, Cab Calloway, and, of course, Moore Rainey, who live nearby and perform there very often. And it is on the National Registry of Historic Places. Now, it's you also had a photo of her bedroom, her bedroom set, and, was, and that was at it was, that, was Ma Rainey's home that was separate. That is separate. Her home is just a very modest home, but I would advise anybody to go see it because it gives you a real feeling of who this person was. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a two-story, just very modest frame home. Uh, her piano was there. And some of these artifacts, the docent was telling us, the piano, someone had painted it a neon green, and they had to get it back and, you know, get all of that paint off. And mm-hmm. now it's back as it was standing there. And her bedroom set, one of her relatives who had inherited when she passed away had sold the bedroom set to an antique dealer for $200. The city had to pay 15000 to get it back when they wow. restored the home. Wow. She's such an interesting mm-hmm. woman, and she is the mother of the blues. You, you know, I'm glad you she's note that in your article, too. And they didn't, you know, when you're talking about modest times, you know, the way she lived, you know, back then, and it's interesting when you talk about the, you know, her bedroom set being two hundred dollars now fifteen thousand. They weren't even getting paid what they were supposed to be. These recording artists, and if you were a woman, you definitely weren't getting paid like you were supposed True. to. True. And she, there's a lot of belief that she probably was either bisexual or lesbian, because there's uh, a time wow. when she was arrested. Uh, for an orgy going on with all, all it was all women at the home, and they took and arrested them. Uh, and she, she really just stood out for equality back at a time when you just didn't do those things if you wanted to keep your following. Yeah. Huh. I didn't know that. Well, you know, well, you know, jazz and blues singers are notorious for that, and I think it's an important thing. It's part of who they are. They're the, they're the the mouth of the times, if you will. And and I think even, yeah. In and either way that she wanted to, you know, share her love life, um, it could have also just been, hey, I'm I'm just standing up and making a statement. Who knows? And I think a lot of times that people got arrested, um, and they used that 
even if it you know even if it wasn't true i think way back when right. you know it's just like the witches of salem <laughs> you know what i mean they were just like that's true. It. This and is that true and there is no no really proof it's that and a song that she has written are the only reasons that they believe that but one of the things that the docent said that in that day women were i mean a husband could treat you very terribly and get away with it and that sometimes what we would consider that now was more of a just a bonding uh, you know like we would have a girls night out sort of thing and that mm-hmm. could have been it also but she she didn't back off and try to fit in any mold and that was one mm-hmm. of the things that I admired about her man this is so man. cool I mean you've got blues history you've got civil war history I mean you've got every side of it in this one place and and food and music like that um, you talked also at the beginning about the National Infantry Museum uh, so this this is something you also wrote pretty extensively in your article about so this must have hit at home for you for some reason it did well not only for myself they have a huge banner in there and they're very proud of the fact that they were voted number one best free museum in the United States by Today Magazine wow and it's a part of Fort Benning. You don't have to go through military security. The museum is separate. You, you're looking onto the graduation field and parts of Fort Benning in the back. And it's, it's part of Fort Benning, but it's, it's very simple to access. You don't have to go through any kind of searches or anything. And as you walk in, the first thing you're walking through, you walk through a circular entrance, which is designed to represent the drum, which is what the infantry marched to. And the, mm. the exhibit as you're walking through is the last 100 yards. And there are eight scenes which have been recreated from all of the American wars, beginning with the revolution, which that, that scene is a capture of Redoubt Number 10 in Yorktown, which was pretty much the end of the American Revolution. And the display goes on through the Civil War, World War One, World War Two, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, and also onto the ongoing Desert wow. War. And each of the wow. soldiers in each wow. of these exhibits have been cast from real life. What they did, they took four actual young combat veterans and sent them to the studio. And the exhibits were made from these people from cast body casts that they took of them so they're so detailed you can see the veins at one point uh, our docent showed us uh, they're climbing up this hill he said look at the fingernails you can see the the roughness and the dirt on the fingernails from them climbing because the infantry are the ones out front and you could spend several days in this museum because each wall has its own gallery and it's it's just so fascinating. And the really neat thing, when you get to the back window in the museum mm-hmm. and you're looking down, mm-hmm. you're seeing there's a small World War II village which was built adjoining the parade grounds of the actual Fort Benning. And the World War II village was originally designed to be torn down. It was just a temporary building used during the war. And then the oh, wow. city said, no, wow. we don't want that torn down. They saved it and they moved this here, so you can see what it looked like on the base during World War II. And when you're looking wow. out at the parade field, which is right behind the this will, this will give me chills. Ardosin pointed out, he said, on that parade field, the grounds themselves have been enriched. The people have brought buckets of soil from each battlefield where American infantrymen fought and dumped these soil on the battle, the parade grounds. So when you walk out onto this ground, you're literally standing on history. So wow. I thought that just gave me chills. 
Yeah, you know, and it, that's Columbus. That's important. Model. From past to future in a few city blocks. And you do. It's just, they live up to that motto. I, you know, I really like that, and I love their motto because I think if you don't understand your history, how do we know how to move forward? You know, history is there to, you know, teach us the story of people, the story of the land, the story, you know, the mistakes and and the non-mistakes, the good things we do too. There, you know, we have to learn all of it, and I think That's it's so, so important true. that they. This museum is representing all these different wars. Um, a lot of times people forget about the Korean War. You know, we hear a lot about the Vietnam War, but there's right. a huge, you know, a lot happened with the Korean War, and a lot of people look at it as, oh, that was a skirmish. No, it was a war, you know, and we forget about that. So I love that they <laughs> the include that, that and then died, include they now. knew that it was a war. <laughs> and you're so right, Lisa, we can't forget our past. And good or bad, mm-hmm. I mean, there were things that were not right and we did, but it's part of our history, and if we don't recognize it and look at it and say, oh, this was something we maybe shouldn't have done, how are we going to mm-hmm. know in the future? We did that in the past. Mm-hmm. Let's don't do it again. And that's what's so important. That's why I love history so much, and I love mm-hmm. going to start places like this. And, and so you've, I know that you've got, uh, you've got uh, American Roads and Global Highways uh, that you publish, and everywhere, everyone, you can go to AmericanRoads.net. And let me give everyone the website. Uh, if you're going to go to Columbus, Please. Georgia, which I think we all need to get on a bus and go, uh, but visit ColumbusGA.com. Very easy. Visit Columbus, Georgia. So um, go check that out, and uh, you can plan your trip through there. Um, but the American Roads and Global Highways, tell everybody a little bit about that. I try to cover all of the little-known places, and it's not just my own articles. There's a lot of other very good writers who write with me, and mm-hmm. it comes out. Uh, it's a quarterly magazine. It's, it's an e-zine, but it's published just as if it were a print magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I try to cover a lot of history, but we also we have one writer who does nothing but art. Um, I try to include a lot of pictures. What I want to do with my articles is to let people see what they can see when they go to these places. And Columbus in particular, they're going to be bringing in Westfield, which is a historic old village. And I've seen it when it was in the other location. So I'm very excited about it coming back to to Columbus, not back, but coming to Columbus. But that's going to be in about a year. But I'll when, try when you say it's a village, is it a village like you were talking about? There was a World War II village, but um, what, oh, no. what, it, this, what, what's this, this about? Eight, when you walk through, you're walking into, I believe it's 1870, but it's in the 1800s. Whoa. And the blacksmith shop, everything is as it was in that time. And it, if, as I say, it's coming, it's not there yet. But there are other, hmm. there's so much more than I, excuse me, so much more than I could cover. In one show mm. or one article, I've dwelt on yeah. the history, but then there's a lot of modern things there. Uh, the Coca-Cola mm-hmm. Science Museum is fantastic also. There's just so much there, which is history in a way because it's a mm-hmm. history of our space program. So, but, well, you know, you what I want to do is give people a taste and then hopefully they will be awakened to what's there and want to go there and see it for themselves. And that's what I try to do in American Roads and Global Highways. And, and you're also the author of travel books. You've got Georgia's Ghostly Getaways. You know, I'm loving this. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Finding Florida's Phantoms. You know, you've got the phantoms out there, but I also know you've got Bigfoot hanging out. You've got those. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. 
And nobody has to, because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Forests up there at the top part of Florida, and you, you know, then you got the Everglades and the Okefenokee swamps. I know there's things out there, you know, there's things like, <laughs> there are. There, and that's there's why something I call going on. Phantoms because it's a little more than just ghosts, it's all of the legends of the swamp ape and things like that, all of this Ooh. unusual stuff. And there's a little bit of a history twist. Mm, and then my like wild about Florida books or the nature. But even with the nature things, the state parks, the city parks, uh, the refuges, the wildlife refuges are great. And there's no money to advertise those. These people are working on a shoestring trying to save animals who have been abandoned. Uh, zoos mm-hmm. don't want them. Things like that. Mm-hmm. And those are great. But, yeah, there's, uh, I've had I know a lot you've of got big cat rescues out in Florida. Right. You've got a lot of awesome, awesome right. places down Florida's, you know, to me, a, a state so diverse that people think, oh, it's 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 a beach. You know, there's that mindset, just like California with Disney World, mm-hmm. and and of course you've got that in the Epcot Center in Orlando. But there's that mindset of Florida's a beach, but there's so much more. I mean, you you wouldn't expect to get chilly and go through a forest. You know, that's something that you know kind of blows people's minds when they go to that area, a part of Florida, in the beginning. And then, of course, you've got the swampy part, which I love, and you've got all the gators. But I love that area. But <laughs> those um, are fun to watch. I mean, people just don't realize how much real, and that's the real Florida, the wildlife, and those, and the history. Uh, mm-hmm. Places like St. Augustine, which recently celebrated its 450th birthday, and their their idea was let's show Jamestown, remind them that we're older than they are, and there is just so much of both history and wildlife here to see besides going to the beaches in Disney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I want to ask also because you also write fiction, and you know you definitely got you've got the southern coolness going on. Um, I should say coolness, <laughs> the warmth of it. You hear everyone listen to Kathleen's accent. You know, uh, when, you, when you when when you think about you know the South, to me some of the best writers come from the South. I mean, you got Pat Conroy, you got all you know amazing swampy stories that have always got this like at the back of your mind that there's something living in the swamp and it's part person part <laughs> oh, animal yes. and and part ghost there's some I don't I can't explain it but there's this magical mysticism that Florida and the south all the Louisiana Mississippi Alabama Tennessee I mean the whole south you know has this I don't know this feeling and you you just can't get past it um, what led you into writing fiction? Actually, I am from New Orleans originally, and I grew uh, up I have a very <laughs> Irish background for St. Patrick's Day. My grandmother was Irish, and she was always telling me the ghost stories. And all of the, the she was a wonderful lady, and she would tell me all of these stories about these people being hanged and things like that when I was a very little child. But it was fun; it wasn't scary the way she told them. <laughs> and I, I, my first ghost book is kind of dedicated to my grandmother because that's where my love of the ghost stories came from. And uh, I've really always and that's enjoyed writing step. about that. Well, last and step is different. Yeah, last step is a modern day. It's dealing with drug addiction because so many people are suffering from that, and and people mm-hmm. in my age group that children have been through this, and 
they're they're having to deal with it. And I think last step, and it's kind of a dark. It's the darkest book that I've written. It tends to tell people drugs are going to kill you. You know, do what you've got to do to get mm-hmm. off of them. If you're if you're an addict, mm-hmm. and if you're a parent, help whoever you can to get off of them because it's a terrible mm-hmm. thing. It's it's rampant, and I think you know you see kids getting into these these science. They're they're like. These drugs that are like homemade drugs out there, and I don't know if some of the yes. pharmaceutical companies are pushing them out. I, I don't want to get into that part right now, but it is They're something that's paint. important. I think when writing fiction, and um, you know, this is an important part. The power of the pen is so important. That's what true. was it that led you into writing? Did you start traveling first? What What was the the spark I, that said, "Okay, I'm going to travel and write and photograph"? <laughs> I think I've always, well, I've always loved traveling. And, you know, travel writing really, what it really is, is you go someplace and you come home and you tell your friends what a wonderful time you had, the things you got to see, your experiences. And basically, when you're doing it as a professional, you're just expanding on, instead of telling your family and friends, you're trying to tell everybody in the world about these fun places that you've been and what's there and what they need to go see. And that's what travel yeah. writing is. And the fiction, as I, a lot of my fiction is inspired by travel. For instance, my Under a Bloody Flag and Under a Black Flag, I went to Travel Media Showcase several years ago in Kansas City. And I was thinking, okay, barbecue and jazz. And I'd come back and write barbecue and jazz. Well, I ended up taking a side trip, a pro, uh, press trip afterwards called the Freedom Trail, which swung back and forth through Kansas and Missouri where all of the bloody Kansas events began. And when you look at this very little-known part of history, you're seeing uh, this is really where the Civil War started. In fact, in Kansas, they will tell you the Battle of Blackjack, uh, Blackjack Oaks was really the first battle of the Civil War because there were two mm-hmm. militias, a southern and again, there was no Confederacy or Union at that point, but there was mm-hmm. a southern, pro-Southern militia led by Henry Clay Pate and the northern militia abolitionists led by John Brown. And they actually engaged in a battle against one another at Blackjack Oaks. So mm. in a way of looking at it, it really is the first battle. And from there, it just magnified with everybody the, the hatred and the violence between across this border. And that came and out of my travel That You know, and that's the interesting part. You know, when I look at Kansas and Missouri is such an interesting, and they're right next to each other, that area. It was so, are you, are you on the south or are you on the north? I mean, it really, there you didn't know because at that point, there wasn't that division like north and south, you know. It's different right. where, you know, Alabama was different than what was going on in New York area, you know, so it is all different in New Hampshire, you know, it's different. Um, so that area to me is really fascinating. I can't wait to get up there. But I think you really hit on a really important thing. We've talked about history and tourism, and I think whether it's being written as an article, nonfiction piece, or, a, you know, a nonfiction book, you know, guide to sites, or like what you've done with your uh, Wild in Florida series, you know, and or in fiction, the importance of tourism and it and the protection it does on a place. If people don't know about a place, then economically it's not doing well, and then we could lose not only the history of a place but an actual place. I mean, so I think there's a real importance to what you're doing and, and what you're talking about of 
how tourism can help an area but also protect and preserve our history and tell and so we can keep hearing and, and learning those stories. You're so right, Lisa. That in Columbus, that their downtown, the area where the loft is, had become very run down. And mm. as the college moved in, and they're still bringing in more of their campus and, and parts of the college to the downtown area, that's creating a much more vibrancy downtown. And their downtown is beautiful now. Mm. It's a great place to That's visit. awesome to hear. That's a great to hear. I love to hear the, a, a town going through a renaissance like that. I, I wanted to ask, you know, as a, as a writer, um, you know, joining different organizations, uh, the International Food, Wine, Travel Writers Association, we do this um, the third Friday of every month. Uh, we have this wonderful showcase where we get to chat with travel writers such as yourself on the show. We look forward to them. I know our audience does, too. For you, what's the importance of being, you know, a member or part of these kinds of associations? Because it seems like everyone has some, you know, some for some people it's the press trips. For some people it's, you know, connecting with other members and, and networking. It seems like everyone has a different reason for why they're a member and what they get out of it. I think it's multiple, all of the reasons. I think a very, very big part is the members. We have some of the best people with you know, if you have a problem or you want to know about a connection, uh, who's a CVB person in such and such a town or mm. uh, what's a good hotel to stay? You can get this. You post it, and somebody else has been there. So we've got a very, very sharing group, which is wonderful. The press trips are that, out of this world. I got to go to Jordan because of a press trip on that, and I don't think I would have ever made it there otherwise. And that was a trip of a lifetime. So there is so much about it that is important. That's I, cool. I would suggest That's, I anybody that... who, once you have enough clips and you've done enough travel writing, to go ahead and join. Right. Oh, so you get yeah. You have to be a little established. I know that they have an emerging travel writers program too. So if you're getting right. started, it's. It's that's really I think important because I mean the rules of writing change all the time. <laughs> it's like one day it is very it's much in here, the next day it's don't. <laughs> you know everything's mm-hmm. changing. And every yeah, magazine even, and and we're going so much more to online rather than print. And that's I mean since I've been in it when I began it was everything was print and you had to send slides in. Now everything is done online. You you don't mm-hmm. no one uses slides anymore hardly. Everyone is doing digital, of course, with photography, which is wonderful because yeah. you can take so many more pictures, and the cameras are getting better and better. Mm-hmm. It, it is. It's a lot easier, and it's easier when you travel too. You don't have to worry about your film as much, and you know right. I, I think it's and it's and it's changed too with the advent of social media. For as a writer, I mean. It's a, you can share the story again. I think stories can go further this way. Right. Well, in Branson, where I was in Travel South, which is an, uh, a conference basically designed for tour operators, but they invite 25 travel writers, and I was one of the lucky ones, and I've been to others, and it's a great program. And we get to go. We interview with the CBB people from different areas of the South. I wish Florida was in it, but they're not. But we this particular year was in Missouri, and you also get a press trip where you visit places. Uh, Wilson's Creek Battlefield mm. was one, and Branson. We, we it was in you know uh, a lot of the events in Branson. That's so much is going on there; it's unbelievable. Except it was snowing. No, <laughs> and this was just a few days ago. Wow, so. I know it's it's. 
the, the weather is all changing. I know. We all know. As you travel, wear layers. I want to ask you. If, if, <laughs> it's crazy. I've got two questions on places that you haven't experienced yet. So the first one, going back to Columbus, Georgia, um, if you were to go back, what did you miss that you want to go and visit there or experience? Oh, I want to go back probably next year when this Westworld comes, for one thing, which is going to be there. The other thing is is they have a, a whitewater uh, canoeing and kayaking, and I love kayaking. Oh, cool. So I want, I oh, want to do too. that. Uh, mm. uh, there's probably things that I don't even know that were there that I would want to go back and see. But one of the things that I suggest for anybody, travel writer or layperson going there, go into the CVB and talk to those people. Shelby Guest is the person, my main connection, or Melanie Grace. But anybody in the CVB, you walk in there. They're going to tell you what's going on, what's happening now. You know, they're going to ask you what are you interested in, and you're going to get a good mm. lead on where you want to go. There's, I believe mm. there's a botanical garden, and I, I hate to say that for sure, but I don't, I'm not positive. Mm. Oh, oh, there is, which we did get to go in, um, it's a, a nature park. And I'm trying to remember the name of it. I'm sorry, but I've forgotten it. <laughs> but it yeah. is a very no, no. neat museum. Uh, where you're oh. seeing the wildlife of the area and uh, some gardens also are in there. Mm. Because I tell you what, that area knows shopping. how to garden. There's, you know, the yeah, gardening. Well, they're in, in a in nice Georgia. climate for it. They do have mm-hmm. seasons they are. there, but they're still far enough south that usually they're not icy cold and snowed in. Mm. So it's a good That's place. Nice. Mm-hmm. I haven't been there for so long. It's time. I've got itchy feet to go to Columbus now for sure, especially gardens, <laughs> nature. you got history. you got good food. you got art. you got blues and music. I mean, okay, so, like, we don't need anything else. We do, we've got it all right. there. But Everything now, now when, what about in the world, where have you not been that's on your bucket list that you, you would, you know, if someone said, here's your ticket, you're leaving tomorrow, where would it go? Where would you go? <laughs> I would love to go to Ireland. Uh, mm. I want to go back to Mexico. I have not been there for a while. I would definitely like to go to England. I hate to say that on St. Patrick's Day, but <laughs> England has some fascinating history. And Scotland, of course. I also have one ancestor from there that I would like to go to. But uh, I, I'm a Roma. I've got very itchy feet. You know, mm, often me, it takes almost anywhere. And I'm ready to go. Yeah. Right, and uh, well, I you got like, like Jordan in the Middle East. I was not in the slightest bit afraid over there. I was very comfortable. They're very, very security conscious over there. So I was, you know, quite happy. I'm, I'm glad you said that and brought that up because um, I know Linda Kassam, the president of the International Food Wine Travel Writers Association, came on our show um, to talk about her experience and. We published one of our articles. Everyone, if you go to blendradioandtv.com, just look up Linda and you'll be able to see this. And, you know, she came on the show. And, and, you know, I think when you go to places like Jordan, she was also said it was very, um, you know, it's one of those bucket list experiences and safe like what you're talking about. And I think we see so much on the news these days. Who knows what's true, right? But when right, you've been to a place like Jordan, doesn't that change your outlook of what you're seeing does. on the news? So much so. Mm. I was so comfortable. The fact that most of the hotels, you can have a glass of wine or a highball. Uh, it's just very mm-hmm. comfortable. The people are very comfortable with you. No one gives you dirty looks. And especially in the cities, 
people are dressed just like they would be over here. You do see some of the women wearing the hijabs and some of them completely veiled. But that's that's the minority. Now, when you get way out in the country, you see a little more of that. But even there, everyone speaks English. The signs are in both English and Arabic. So you're very comfortable. Uh, one of the things that surprised me was the hotels. All of them, it's just like an airport security, uh, mm. which, you know, it's a little bit of an annoyance maybe. But then again, you're thinking, this is helping to keep me safe. So yes. I loved it. I mean, it, was, it was a plus for me, not a minus. You know, I, I grew up no. that way. I grew up in Kenya and South Africa, and I'm used to being checked for bombs and things mm-hmm. all the time. And so when we got to this country, it was a, it was you know just a whole different thing to get used to. And I know, I hope we don't have to go that way um, in the world. That you know, it'd just be kind of a bummer if the whole world had to be that security conscious. But I think things are changing, and it is just the way it is. Um, but it's yeah. nice to know that you're safe. It does give you that feeling like someone is watching out versus, you know, I've been to a lot of places where there isn't anybody watching out and you're like, uh-oh, I'm the only one watching <laughs> out and that's not fun. You know, give me a glass of wine now. Uh, but, uh, but I, you know, I think it's really great that you experience these places. And, again, it's that power of the pen, what travel writing does. I think it keeps people understanding these places, getting to see photos. I think that's another part, not only writing, but seeing photos that are current are, is so important so people can see yes people have been there they're still here <laughs> you know if you can right that's a, and another I do important every, part a lot a lot of people just do the phones, but I, my phone's my backup camera, but I carry a real, a good camera with me because I want good pictures. To me, a picture really is worth a thousand words. It's you can true. look at it and see so much more than someone can tell you. Mm. You mentioned kayaking. Okay, so last question. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> kayaking. Now, Nancy and I are all into kayaking. It's something we got into uh, on our tour, our, our Big Blend Spirit of America tour of national parks. And, um, you know, I think we end up talking about this almost on every show. But so now you're out in Florida. And we, you know, our first kayaking, you'll, you'll appreciate this, was um, in the Rapides Bayou of Alexandria in central Louisiana. And um, oh, so you yes. know there's things you know there's things oh, in the water, right? So around there, lots of there's gators all kinds of <laughs> gators and water moccasins and egrets and and little frogs that were jumping on me. It was so cool. <laughs> uh, but in everyone, it was a highlight of my life. Um, so now in in your area, you're up near Jacksonville. Um, where would you recommend someone go kayaking? We have Black Creek, which is good, and just about an hour and a half drive from us in Ocala, there's, depending on what you're looking for, little tiny places or rivers, the Okalawachi River, uh, the mm. Jupiter Creek, uh, of course, Alexander Springs, which is neat. It's the, the little kayak run there, canoe run, is just very small, like a mile, but the water you can see down to the very bottom is crystal clear, and uh you can kayak, nice. put your, you know, and of course, because we don't have the currents like other places, you can go either way. I mean, you know, normally when you're kayaking, you're going to go in and go with the current and then come out. You won't, mm-hmm. you won't paddle back. In Florida, you can paddle back because there really is not any current. That's a good thing because, yeah, because, you know, I tend to go in circles. We got into this one 
big, well, these big kayaks, which were for two people, and because I was filming mm-hmm. and everything, I thought, no, Nancy goes in one, and I'll go in the other one. Well, that was a mistake. I kept going in circles, because I sat in the back <laughs> instead of at the front, and I just kept going in circles, and then I thought I saw a snake, and then I really freaked out. But I, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was uh, comical. People should have watched because <laughs> Nancy went off. She was fine the first time she got in the kayak. She was going into the trees where the snakes hang out. But this time, <laughs> it was me going in circles, thinking I saw a snake, and because she'd seen a snake there, but I don't know what I saw. But all I know is that was that was it for me. And she's off. And I'm and I'm yelling at her. There is a snake, and she's like, "You're going in circles. You need to do this." And it was just one of those things that if anybody had watched it, they would have thought, you know, we're not called the crazy mother daughter team for nothing. <laughs> it was great. It was absolutely awesome. It's the outfit awesome. you need to worry about, especially yeah. if they get onto yeah. your kayak and surface. But okay. I have never, I did kayak very close Dora Canal, which is really neat because it's between Mount Dora and Eustis in central Florida and Lake County. And you're really in the middle of very populated areas, but when you're in the kayak in the in the canal you don't realize that it's all very wooded and there's there was a gator right on a branch like a log lying right out into the water and he was a small and he was only about five foot and I was trying to see how close I could get to him and he was watching to see how close yeah, he was you, going to let yeah. me get before he took off and uh, I had probably got within about three or four feet of him got some very good pictures of him just sitting there watching me very carefully Oh, I love that. I right. love you're like us. Like, how close can we get without, you know, disturbing them? And right. I know. And anybody listening, there's going to be like a bunch of people going, what's wrong with you two? Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah. That's why we're travel writers. We love doing these crazy things that other people think you've got to be crazy. Yes. But it's fun. Much. Crazy and fun. Thank you so much for joining us on Big Blend Radio Thank and telling you. us all about Columbus, Georgia, I everybody again. The West. Thank oh, you. such a pleasure having you on. I want to give the website for Columbus, Georgia, is visit columbusga.com. And then keep connected with Kathleen. Go to AmericanRoads.net. She's on Twitter, Facebook, too. And um, her article, again, will be in the summer issue of Spirit of America magazine, and you'll be able to see it up on nationalparktraveling.com in a couple days. Um, and, again, uh, for the International Food, Wine, Travel Writers Association, we love these segments. Uh, you can learn more. Go to IFWTWA. Thanks so much for joining us, Kat. Thanks again for having me, Lisa. It's been fun. You take care. Maybe and we'll and, meet up. You know, stay away from, yeah, next time we're going to go kayaking with gators, okay? We'll do a radio show that way. Just don't let him turn the kayak over. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 